Joe Rogan laid into Joe Biden, and I'm here for all of it. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Kevin's here. And look, I'll tell you what. We've had this conversation many times before. Ethan, are you a Joe Rogan person? No, no, we've we've covered this before. I think he's fine, uh, but to me, he is the dollar store Dick Cavett, and I'd rather just yes, watch right. reruns I, uh, of the Glory Days. I had forgotten that. And and Kev, you are you are the hipster, cool millennial guy, so you are of course very into Rogan. You I, like Rogan? I was actually just listening to him this morning on the way to work. I um, really. Yeah, I uh, so I, when I say this, um, I, I am a person who accepts that things are things that I do not understand why they are things. But in this business, in which part of big part of my job is to understand who and what move the needle in American society, Joe Rogan is clearly one of those people who is a needle mover. When he says it, tens of millions of people will hear it, and as such, he has a place whether you think he, oh my gosh he's the greatest broadcaster comedian whatever of all time or you think he stinks it's like taylor swift i don't get it i think it's ridiculous but i also understand that people were losing their minds over getting that stupid access code to see her, her at lucas oil stadium she's clearly a very relevant person now i'm gonna point out the things that i think are ridiculous but i'm not gonna be like well nobody would care about that same thing with joe rogan he speaks people care and he had a very interesting take on joe biden's lying and corruption joe biden's been a goof his whole career he's always been a goof he's always been he's been caught lying so many times yeah. he's so full of there's so much evidence that he's corrupt, just undeniable evidence of corruption. And the stuff with him and his son, and then the, the guy who just testified that was business partners with uh, with Hunter, yeah. who talked about all the different things that Joe was involved with. Evan Archer. Yeah. yeah. It's f***ing undeniable. And the fact that, they, that mainstream news is ignoring this, except for right-wing media, it's f***ing crazy. I think he's totally spot on. And my question, like, okay, I guess because, Ethan, you're not really a Rogan listener. So, Kev, my question to you is, the people who listen to Joe Rogan, are they undecided slash swayable people and his voice carries a lot of weight? Or are the tens of millions of people who listen to Rogan, are they just like he's kind of an echo chamber and they've already made up their mind one way or another and he's just entertainment or they agree with him on everything? It seems like most listeners are fairly moderate, I think. Yeah. So I think they can be swayed. And I think it's just, I mean, I think the audience is just people that are generally uh, curious. Okay. And, and that, that, that's kind of where I thought, because you strike me as like the prototypical Rogan listener. And what I mean by that is you're, you're an educated person. You uh, clearly, you can, you know, you study issues. You're a knowledgeable of what's going on. But and we've talked about this, you know, kind of off air many times, and I don't want you to reveal anything you're not comfortable with. But you're not a hyper political person in the sense of you don't live it every day like someone like Ethan or, or I might. Right. Yeah. OK. So when he speaks, that's a big deal because he's potentially reaching people. It's not an echo chamber. He's reaching and influencing people who could go either way. Yeah, and he has pretty uh, neutral discussions. I mean, he he obviously expresses his beliefs, but it's just kind of a discussion. And 
I, I think he's yeah. getting an audience that is outside of cable news because like you pointed out rob you have your political junkies that whatever their brand is they're consuming fox or msnbc or cnn or newsmax or one america or whatever silo they happen to belong to but rogan covers a more i guess disenge- disengaged uh portion of the population and so has a broader reach than what otherwise otherwise might be obtained through those narrower focused organizations well and it comes back to in this industry is dealing with this now obviously wibc every month because we have the most fabulous listeners in the entire world and a very loyal audience who believes in us the way we believe in you and the bond between whatever show it is whether it's this one whether it's tony whether it's hammer and nigel and the audience is unbreakable and there's a trust and that's why when we go to events like at the state fair there's just people lined up to come up and say hi and you know engage and talk about the show so we are unique in that sense of we have remained now it doesn't mean forever because obviously we earn that trust and we earn that bond every single day and that's our job as the broadcasters we are unique in the sense of wibc has remained largely immune from the damage being done collectively to the rest of the radio industry and we keep our very large and loyal audience but so many people it seems have fled traditional talk radio because the joe rogans exist because the daily wires exist and they're seeking a different form of conversation rather than what you may have traditionally gotten especially on nationally syndicated talk radio i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that broadcasting has been decentralized and there are more voices in you know in the realm of uh, weighing in the cultural conversation you know it's i had a conversation with a guy yesterday i will not name him because i do not want to expose him to publicly being very associated with me or being friends with me but he is a longtime radio person uh his own radio stations has managed radio stations and we were talking about about just this thing and and one of the things that i think is going to be very hard going forward one of the reasons we are successful this show does this better and look we love all the shows on this station there's super talented people everybody does something really well here and that's why everybody's successful i think one of the things we do better than anybody else not just on this station but in the state of indiana is we talk local politics nobody talks whether it's state or hyper local politics better than than this show and as such we get we get people who otherwise may not even listen to talk radio because oh my gosh i know so and so where else are you going to hear epic rants about local planning commissions or school (laughs) boards and we're talented enough to make that interesting which otherwise might not be interesting that's why nobody can do that better than you well thank you and you are the king of not just local i I lived it and that's why i'm good at it because i lived it and i was obsessed with it and i was in it every single day and it was my favorite it was at a different season of my life but it was my favorite thing to do everybody does something different so we are immune to that and one of the reasons we're kind of immune to it is because we do so much local stuff but in the era of rogan and in the era of uh, even a pat mcafee if you want to even branch out a little further into sports he does society um you know you've got the daily wire you've got outkick you've got our, our good buddy you know dan dockage is over there in the era where you can get national politics from everywhere i wonder and i was having this conversation yesterday with a uh, with the guy who's in the know on these sort of things whether nationally syndicated shows 10 years from now are going to exist with any in any sort of form as they do today because why would you seek that out if you can get exactly what you want on the internet somewhere else 
I think they'll exist. It's just going to be a fractured empire yeah. because nothing, no, but no one is going to be a Rush Limbaugh again. I, I mean, I hesitate, you know, to never say never, but um, it's unlikely that somebody with that magnitude of broadcasting talent and the coalescence of opportunity is going to come come together again. I think Clay Travis is a great example of this. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton took Rush Limbaugh's place for lack of a better term his syndicator can, you know handpicked them and said these are the people we're putting out there if you have run the Rush Limbaugh show this is the show you're going to run Clay Travis has been resoundingly successful at Outkick I mean that website is a complete juggernaut it is a game changer it is consumed by tens of millions of people every single day the hosts they have um, you know like I said our old buddy Dan Dockich is over there now it's just been gangbusters however he has struggled in the vacuum of, and nobody thought they were going to be Rush Limbaugh, but Sexton and, and Clay Travis and the, on that radio show are not game changers or newsmakers. And it's fascinating to me that you can be a, a game changer on the internet, and it goes back to something I've long said on this show, and I think the Portnoy clip we played earlier where he's talking about failing to be able to make it because of the regulations that centered around when Penn and Barstool went together and now I'm buying Barstool back so that I can rid myself of these regulations. I've long said there's people who are super famous on the internet who couldn't do seven minutes of what we do for three hours every day. Now, can we do what they do as well? Maybe not. But when you are, you have to play inside the confines and boxes that terrestrial, terrestrial traditional radio does it does lend itself to something people have been saying for a long time, which is the industry has got to take a major look at how it governs itself, how it polices itself, how it promotes itself, because other than places like WIBC, and there are other stations in the city, obviously, that are, that are doing okay and that are hanging around for a variety of reasons, but the industry is a collective, just like the music industry refused to get ahead of the downloads 20 plus years ago, and then everything went to download and it cost these people all this money. Same thing's going to happen here. So it's going to be fascinating to see the lay of the landscape because other than places like this, I think the Rogan-esque format is becoming the way of the future. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, by the way, Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Uh, Casey will be back tomorrow. When we come back, some really disturbing news about people's financial situation and how they're having to use their savings to make ends meet. Plus, Matt Ryan, remember him? He was the quarterback for a couple games for the Colts last year. He is blasting his time here in Indianapolis. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. A lot of Americans are having to pull money out of their 401ks. To make ends meet. That is not a good thing. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Kev's here. Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. She'll be back tomorrow. So CBS News has the story, Ethan. And according to them, the share of 401k participants taking what they call hardship withdrawals from their accounts rose to 2.4% last year, up from 1.9% in 2021. That's according to the financial services firm, Fidelity. That represents the highest share of hardship withdrawals recorded at Fidelity, which you know the typical share ranges from two to two point three percent. So what you are seeing is essentially, Ethan, people are saying I am unable, yeah, based on the income I am earning to meet the obligations that I have, and as such I have to turn to something that is supposed to be for my golden years, retirement, whatever you want to call it. 
This is a big problem, Rob. Um, First of all, there are many Americans who already don't have a retirement fund to rely on. But among those who do now withdrawing those funds due to hardship will be compounded 20, 30, 40, possibly years down the line when Social Security is insolvent, in addition to the fact they've already had to pilfer the piggy bank because of the disastrous effects of Biden. So people are going to be super duper screwed. And this is like watching a slow motion train wreck in real time. And I'm not sure if we'll be able to effectively correct the disaster that is coming down the pike. So obviously, look, if you're a person without a 401k, this may be kind of gibberish to you. But a 401k is a retirement plan. You put money into it. There are certain depending on how you set up your 401k, there are certain tax benefits. There's a bunch of different ways to do all these sorts of things. Consult your tax professional if you're interested in doing that. But when you typically if like you withdraw things out of your 401k, there are some penalties. Usually, again, consult your tax prof- professional associated with this. However, it is my understanding that these hardship withdrawals have limited sets of penalties normally otherwise associated. They include medical care, tuition for the worker or their family members, uh, payments to avoid eviction or foreclosure. Boy, too bad some of your tenants didn't have uh, yeah, that would have been nice. 401k. <laughs> Funeral costs, uh, expenses to repair, damages to employees, principal uh, residents. And you avoid some of those. But even if you avoid the penalties or can avoid the penalties, again, consult your tax professional, you're still pulling something out of yeah. your... Yeah. Your, yeah. what you're counting on yeah. when your income is not going to be as great and you're basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're also putting off your ability to save and compound the value of that savings by robbing the piggy bank now because, yeah, you might theoretically be able to catch up but not on the interest lost. And the later you donate to your retirement account, the fewer benefits you will receive in the long term. So by doing this, yes, it's necessary and I absolutely sympathize with the position these people unfairly find themselves in due to the environment created by the negligence of the presidency um but it's going to create problems down the line and when we look at our society and i wonder this because obviously different corporations are set up differently for a variety of reasons but a lot of corporations however fewer fewer and fewer it is my understanding are doing you know what they call matching Uh contributions to the 401k and I wonder, I was talking to somebody, this was, what would this, this would have been Monday, about where small businesses are and as fewer small businesses are being a thing and the squeeze being put on small businesses, as fewer small businesses exist in the marketplace to be competitive from a benefit slash pay perspective, how much longer mega corporations, for lack of a better term, will continue to offer general more generous retirement type benefits because they simply won't have to. This was a side effect of Obamacare because there was an insurance regulation as it regarded full-time employees. And remember, many corporations very shortly thereafter adjusted their employees to be 30 hours or less. And now in a post-Obamacare world, many people no longer have that one full-time job. Instead, they have two or three part-time jobs, something that because of the economic pressure, you have 
become all too familiar with. Uh, yes, and I'm uh, now back at my other part-time job and uh, uh, very happy to be back there. And, and I work great multiple time. jobs, too. Well, and so, I, you know, and you are in, look, I, I don't, you never say never, right? But I don't foresee myself ever venturing back into the I own a business game which I did for the first basically 15 years of my adult life. That's how I earned my living before I came here was I owned a variety of businesses and some of them were markedly successful. Some of them were markedly unsuccessful. That's the game of being in business. You try things, some things work, some things don't. Um, But I don't ever see myself venturing back into the own my own business game just because the government has made it so hard to actually own like when i started my business my primary business by which i earned my living in the mid-2000s it was pretty easy to start up a business i'm talking like file the paperwork with the secretary of state's office get a tax id number get a bank account did that in like a matter of days and here we go and we're all on our way and it was a magical new adventure by the time i was done with that as a primary source of income I had started multiple other businesses during that time period. And each time I would go every couple of years or whatever, it would become harder than the last time. And I don't know how guys like you do it because it just seems like a complete dumpster fire to try to sign checks on the front these days. Well, I had the incredible good fortune of a lot of the legwork already being done in the sense that the business was built by my family before purchasing it and taking over operation from there. So without having the legwork already done, it is incredibly difficult on the front end to establish a business because of the prohibitive costs associated with the regulatory government uh, uh, regulatory environment that government imposes. All right, before we take a break though, I I do want to say this to all of our business owners out there. Thank you for what you do. You're welcome. You know, and you are obviously included in that. Um, We always think, hey, you got to thank the law enforcement today and you got to thank a soldier today and you got to thank a teacher today. And you should do all those things. It's rare that somebody thanks their landlord. I appreciate you, Rob. And and look, I always, you know, I am always (laughs) amazed at how you never hear almost never hear a government entity thank the taxpayers like everything they do it's never thank you to the taxpayers who we took this money from in order to to do this and so if you're a business owner out there today thank you for what you do i know from experience what you go through not your exact business but the general premise and if you're someone who has never owned a business and you just work for someone which is great thank that person even if you don't like your job thank that person because i can assure you especially if you work for a small business of some sort they've gone through a lot to make sure you have food on your table and kid on your uh, clothes on your kids backs and a roof over your head and again is every boss the best no is every business owner the best to work for no are there some that are markedly better than others yes but you have no idea when it comes to taxes and regulations and sweat and effort and even if you work for a business that you're one of three employees thank that person because they go through a lot of crap for you to get paid all right let's take a break when we come back matt ryan he was the quarterback for the colts last year it was of course a complete dumpster fire for indianapolis and he is ripping into the colts what obligation do you have when you leave somebody who gave you like 35 million dollars what 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 obligation do you have to be nice to those people after you leave we'll talk about that coming up next 93 wibc So if uh, someone gives you $30 million, what obligation do you have 
to be nice to that person. <laughs> 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. In the case of Matt Ryan, apparently uh, not much. Um, Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Kev's here. So Matt Ryan was the quarterback for part of last year for the Colts. And if you're sometimes we very rarely do sports on this show, but if we do, it's because it has a, a regional or societal impact, usually that extends beyond sports. And in this case, I thought the comments by Matt Ryan would spark an interesting conversation. Matt Ryan was the longtime quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. He had played in a Super Bowl. He was uh, he's towards the end of his career. He still hasn't technically retired yet. And the Colts last year, many of you will remember, after Carson Wentz felt that they were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl caliber team. They went out and got Matt Ryan. Clearly was a lot more than the quarterback. It was a complete disaster. They went four and whatever was four and 13 last year. And it was a total dumpster fire. And Ryan got hurt in the middle of the season. They took him out. And he was asked by, I believe this was the athletic to describe uh, his time there in Indianapolis, here in Indianapolis. And I'm going to read the quote. I'm going to say hit instead of the word that I can't say that would get us in trouble with our governing body in Washington, D.C. Quote, I mean, it was a hit show, you know. It was a hit show of 18 months is basically the best way to describe it. Uh, They went on to say, but I think everybody in our family handled it well and came out of it stronger and a really good sport and in a really good spot. Um... They gave you $30 million if you're Matt Ryan, which is what, according to Over the Cap, Matt Ryan made last year in the National Football League. Were the Colts a dumpster fire? Yeah. But if someone gives you $30 million and you left in one piece, you weren't held against your will, you chose to come here, you kind of had to know when you were coming to the Colts what you were getting into, and if you do any history on this organization unless they have the best quarterback in the league or one of them and Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck as their quarterback how the Colts have just been a dumpster fire they're 40 nearly 40 years here would you be surprised what you were walking into what obligation if someone hands you 30 million dollars do you when you leave have to at the very least just keep your mouth shut we live in a very upfront society when it comes to business uh the only obligation one has to be nice is if there is an nda on the table a non-disclosure agreement that's why those things exist for when the people whom do not uh, like doing business with each other or a variety of other other reasons then do not have to disclose that fact after de- doing business so i mean look if the colts wanted him to stay silent they could have done an nda they didn't but that is a byproduct sometimes of doing business with people you don't like you don't you don't have to be nice uh, but no no obligation and by the way i was incorrect on the actual uh salary and i'm uh terribly sorry according to the uh lower or higher uh well the nfl's a little hard to judge because there's cap hits there's bonuses there's the the falcons i think picked up part of his deal last year according to over the cap it was thirty six million seven hundred and five thousand eight hundred eighty two dollars now i don't know if the colts pay it's again it's if anybody familiar with the nfl is familiar it's like you got to have a phd in rocket science and physics and mathematics to figure it out so but let's just say for that it may be slightly more slightly less um He's right about that organization. And I thought the other reason I wanted to do a segment on this is because that organization, sort of when they had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, 
the majority of the time has been a franchise that has like failed to make the playoffs. They have failed to be competitive. The you know you think about the days of Jeff George and uh, you know all of that, and then obviously the past five years have been a complete train wreck for the most part. And yet these are the people that we societally handed over a billion dollars in tax increases primarily on poor and middle class people so that their billionaire owner could have a free stadium. And I think part of it is another example that when you don't have to pay for your own stuff, it's easier to not succeed. Now, I don't doubt that Jim Ursay probably wants to win, but Jim Ursay for a guy who wants to win does a lot of really goofy, squirrely stuff. And again, unless he has one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league or in the case of Peyton Manning in the history of the NFL at his disposal, he's not been very effective in terms of winning, but he doesn't, he can't lose money. You'll be much more capable of answering this question than I am, but is the premature firing of Peyton Manning analogous to our curse of the Bambino? Will <laughs> it be remembered that way? Well, look, you got Andrew Luck, and obviously he went out a disaster. Yeah, and he under, was a stinker. Well, uh, under a cloud of suspicion. Now, he was great while he was here, and he was playing, and those first three years were phenomenal. Was he Super Bowl great, though? Well, but it's easy when a guy has, uh, you know, a serious neck injury at 30 whatever Peyton Manning is to say hey we got to move on off that we've got a chance to get the number one pick this guy is a transformational talent I'm not so much mad about that what I get upset about I mean but Peyton went on to win another Super Bowl he did he did but again it's not like the guy boy the guy had a Super Bowl year and he was phenomenal he missed the entire season and he had a serious neck injury should they have kept him in hindsight yes I'm not mad about hindsight what I get upset about though is when and you hear these sorts of descriptions from people who leave the Colts it seems like quite a bit that it is this poorly run organization. And then I sit back and go, but they don't have to be well run because they can't lose money because their primary asset, which if you look at a National Football League team, other than the franchise itself, their primary asset is the stadium in which they play is paid for by somebody else. There's no way... Jim Irsay would be able to make money without the protections that come in and are associated with the National Football League and without lawmakers who forced people like us to pay higher taxes for him to have a free stadium. Ethan, when you got your properties that you manage today, yeah. did you have to buy them? Yes. The business that you now run, did you have to buy it? Yes. You you were not just handed by lawmakers. Lawmakers did not just go, let's tax Kevin more so Ethan can have a free house to rent to people, right? But Rob, if we don't hand them millions of dollars of taxpayer money, then surely some other city will. And then we're going to have a major sports team in like Toledo, Ohio or Martinsville, the Martinsville Colts. <laughs> That's always the argument, right? Is, I mean, we're still paying, or at least very recently, I think we still are paying on the Hoosier Dome. And now we're going to be paying on Lucas Oil Stadium forever. And the same argument can be had with the Simon family who owns the Pacers. They're gajillionaires. And yet we spend tens of millions of taxpayer dollars just very recently to do major renovations to Gainbridge Field House. Why are we, and I never can get a clear answer for this, why are we, why do I, someone who does not live in Indianapolis, I'm a Bears fan. Now I have to root for the Colts by force because I've got a financial interest in them having playoff games and people being downtown. But why am I, someone who doesn't even live in the county in which the Colts play, forced to pay higher taxes so that Jim Irsay, who is a billionaire, 
can have a free stadium handed to him. I have never heard. I've always heard the argument at the beginning goes, well, having Lucas Oil Stadium is going to attract people to this and to that. People are not staying in hotels on the regular in Brownsburg, Indiana, or Greenwood, Indiana, or uh, Fishers, Indiana, because they're doing something at Lucas Oil Stadium. You know where those people are staying? They're staying in the greater Indianapolis area. So even that ridiculous argument, well, you should want to pay higher taxes. It'll help economic development. Not for me. It's not doing anything for me. And yet every time I buy a sandwich or a soda, hey, tax up, buddy. Here's your Jim Ursay tax. All right, let's take a break. Ethan's in for Casey today. When we come back, Abdul's going to join us. The latest, the gossip, the rumor, the behind-the-scenes mumbo-jumbo on what happened, what really went down with Greg Pence and Suzanne Krauts. Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. drama going on in the Indiana Republican Party, and we are here for all of it. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. And when we think rumor, when we think gossip, when we think blatant innuendo and all sorts of drama creating, we think of one man. He is here with us now. The one and only Abdullah Keeps Shabazz. How are you, my friend? Doing good. Uh, I got clean bill of health from my doctor. Not to go back for six months, so we're all good. Well, that makes me very happy. It'll make some people just live <laughs> it, but it makes me very happy. All right, so uh, let's start with, um, and look, you know, yesterday was a terrible day for me. We had to talk about just what a bad time old Fredo Pence and Silent Suzanne Crouch are having. Uh, look, terrible for both of them. The big scuttlebutt, the blow up over her. Picking him, maybe picking him, considering him for lieutenant governor. And then she comes out and says, oh, heck no, you got to run like everybody else. I love the drama. What saith you? Well, there, it's, 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 it's interesting on the surface. It, it really is. Uh, but there's a little bit more to the story that will be out uh, in this weekend's Cheat Sheet, which you can get a subscription at IndyPolitics.org to get that shameless self-promotion plug out the way. Uh, and, because- and, for, and for people who don't know, you have uh- – you have what you call a cheat sheet. You could subscribe to it, and you give the gossip, rumor, and innuendo that people can't get anywhere else. Exactly. Perfect. That, that turns out to be true, actually. A lot, a lot of times it does. Later on. And you're totally shameless when it doesn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you it was going to be true. I said it could be false. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we wrote uh, months ago uh, that uh, that uh, as Suzanne Crouch was running for governor, the name that kept popping up was Greg Pence as a possible candidate for l- lieutenant governor, to the point where... Uh, some of the South Side Indianapolis lawmakers, because remember the sixth district stretches across uh, Perry, yeah. uh, Franklin, and uh, Decatur Township. That, that finally, finally gerrymandered. Very well done. That that, that, that southern portion of Marion County uh, that has some state lawmakers who are looking actually uh, getting ready to file to run for Greg Pence's seat. M- Mike Speedy was one of them, right? Yeah, he was. He was one of them. So uh, I mean, you know, so this, and this is what's very interesting, and why you know we talked Merritt earlier about this, and I'm glad you're here because. You don't, as a state rep, start just showing up to Lincoln days that aren't even in the county you represent without thinking, hey, this is this is probably going to happen. Exactly. So 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 there's that portion of the, of the equation. The 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 question is, who has been pushing for Greg Pence to become lieutenant governor? Uh, was it Suzanne Crouch? Was it somebody closer to Greg Pence? My sources tell me it's kind of leaning toward the the the, the Pence side of things, uh, but I'll know for for sure in a couple of days it'll be out in this week's cheat. Okay, sheet. so that's very interesting, and this is where look, there's so much intrigue, and we don't do a lot of insider baseball here, but I maintain this isn't because of the names involved and what it actually represents. Um, 
if indeed that's true that, hey, yeah, they're putting Pence out there. How do you live in a world where Suzanne Crouch never stomped this out? And not only should she not do it, you got Robert Vane, who's a very good spokesman. We've known Robert. We love Robert. He's been on this show. He's out there going, yeah, she's he, he's under consideration. I mean, that just, it just is a total, You refuse, I refuse to believe Suzanne Crouch had so little institutional control in her campaign that a spokesman is going, yeah, he's under consideration. You see, but if, and if I Robert, like I said, I've known Robert, like I said, you know, for darn near 20 years now. What I said is, you know, yes, he's under consideration, but so a lot of folks are under consideration, and I just left it at that. And just so as a, as a group, as a, a sort of a group thing, like looking at it, look like lots of different candidates. Is the Pence name that toxic? Because within us, w- within twelve hours of us talking about this on our show, she sprints over to Brian Howie and goes, "Hey, Greg's gonna have to kick rocks and run like everybody else." She must have got a heck of a lot of backlash in a very short period of time to to do that herself. All, all I can say is, having known Suzanne Crouch for years, also uh, when she probably when she probably read that, the the three words out of her out of her mouth were, "I'll use the initials WTF." Because <laughs> I could see Suzanne Crouch kind of maybe sort of losing it over, over all that. So, so the question is. Who has been pushing Greg Pence? We're going to uh, hopefully have some details this weekend. Uh, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. Abdul, our guest. Speaking of the governor's race, I like this now because once this Chambers guy, Brad Chambers, gets in, you're saying it could be next week, maybe the week after, right? Yeah, and in the next, easily in the next couple of weeks. But he's getting in. We, we, I believe so. Okay, so when he gets in, you'll have six people running. There's a world where 20% wins this primary. Oh, easily. And that means it brings everybody into the equation, including, and nothing would make me happier, not because even I'm a big fan of the guy, but just I know how many people would make miserable that are your friends over in the establishment. Curtis Hill could win. Yes, yes, Curtis could, Curtis could win the nomination. I would argue that right now, with, with Brad Chambers not in, the odds favor Suzanne Crouch because that 40% number I've, I've talked about in the past. It's about 40, 45% of the establishment uh, are Republican primary voters. The other 55, 60% are sort of anti-establishment. And like I said real quickly here, when, Duke, when Dan Coates ran back into 2010, he had multiple candidates. He won about 40% of the vote. When Dick Luger ran against Richard Murdoch in the primary in 2012, he lost with 40% of the vote. So I would say the more people that got in, the better it was for Suzanne Crouch. If Brad Chambers gets in, that's a whole different different creature. Is there is there a world where Holcomb, because you know Holcomb and Hupfer, they love this Chambers guy, and they, they clearly want him to run. Is there a world, though, where they look at that and go, ooh, yeah, we don't really like Suzanne, and that's well known apparently now that silent Suzanne, even though she won't say anything bad about Holcomb, and Holcomb are not getting along, and they're not friends, and she don't want anything to do with him. Um is there a world, though, where they go, well, we don't really like her either, but she's a heck of a lot better than Curtis Hill, so, uh, hey, Chambers, don't get in. Um, no, I, th- I think it's a little bit too late for that. Ah, the, because, the, be- the ball has started rolling down the hill. The snowball has started rolling down the hill. Exactly, because Brad Chambers would not get in the race for governor without uh, sort of a tacit blessing from the, from the current governor, Eric Holcomb. At, remember at the uh, end of the um, – Baseball games, they used to say, copying or replaying this game, express written consent yeah. is is prohibited without that. So he's gotten express written consent to get in, to get it this far. Metaphorically speaking, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Abdul's our guest. We're talking a little bit about the governor's race on the Republican side. How do you stand out when there's six people running? Like, if you are Braun, let's face it, Braun is 
not exactly Mr. Entertainment. If you're Curtis, if you're Doden, who again, not exactly Mr. Entertainment, how do you stand out when you know 20 to 25% could win the thing? Well, first of all, you got to be organized. You got to got to got to be you have to be organized in, in every county. You got to have county coordinators, you know, township people, folks who go out, go out and knock on doors because you got nine months until the primary. The primary is not until May, so you got basically nine months to to get your to to get your message out to to the, to the voters. Number two, what makes you different from the the other the other candidates? You know, what makes Curtis Hill different from Mike Brown? What makes him different from Eric Doe? What makes him different from Suzanne Crouch? What 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 do you bring to the table? That that is attractive to the voters. Now, granted, Indiana is a Republican is a Republican state. The Lincoln Republican, very deep, very deep red. Of course, less red in some other places. But after twenty something odd years of having you know total yeah. control, the the question is going to be what what are you what are you going to do differently? Sort of re kick it, sort of restart the engine. Is there a world when you got this many people running? And obviously, they would you know throw their grandma off a cliff. Many of these people, if it meant they get to be governor. And I don't think any is so red that I and Jennifer McCormick is a lunatic, so I'm not sure she can actually capitalize. And Rainwater has seven cents to his name, so I don't think he could capitalize. But is there a world where the feelings get super hurt and people get super nasty and this thing gets pretty dicey in November based on hurt feelings? And well, I'm not voting for her because she said blah, 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 or I'm not voting for him because he blah, blah, blah. Does that exist? Not yet, <clears throat> but but the first sight of that will be actually on September 11th. Oh, uh, because uh, the Hamilton County Republican Party is having like a, a public safety uh, uh, first oh. responder sort of cookout deal, and I want to say Suzanne, Eric, uh, Mike, and Curtis will all be there. Oh, you and I should totally go and dress like the Dumb and Dumber guys. <laughs> I, I say more Gene Wilder and clean my little <laughs> blazing saddles. <laughs> more appropriate hey what are you working on this saturday for the very fabulous abdul at large which you can hear uh 1 to 3 p.m here on wibc actually i had a conversation this week uh with my old criminal law professor a guy named david harris oh. at st louis university now teaches at the university of pittsburgh and we sort of we sort of walked through the whole trump indictment situation indictment 101 like what is an indictment from what you've seen publicly what evidence does the government have what evidence how does don trump's uh, freedom of speech uh, defense yeah. work, which I don't think it's going to work at all. It's actually read the whole thing because it's not speech, it's actions. And so we just have, we had a really good conversation about all that, just sort of to explain everything you know, to the audience. Hey, here's what's going on. He is an author, a broadcaster, a provocateur, and most importantly, a gossip monger. And that's why we love him. The one and only Abdul Kim Shabazz. You're the best. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks to Ethan Hatcher for filling in. Thanks to Kevin doing his usual outstanding job on the board. Most importantly, thanks to you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.